I was standing here and saying that. You know, Pastor Poe, you never had any biological children. But you and Sherry have been a spiritual mother and father to so many people's lives down through the years. And maybe you're here today and you don't have physical children. You know, Aunt B down here never had physical children, but we declared on Mother's Day that she was the mother of this church, so many spiritual sons and daughters. And I just affirm you folks today that maybe you don't have biological children, but you've been a spiritual mother and father. And Pastor and Sherry, you've been a spiritual mother and father to so many people. We honor that today. I'm going to ask you to reach for your Bibles this morning, please, if you don't mind. And I want to take you to the book of Mark chapter 4. And I want to tie up this little two-part series that I started last Sunday entitled, What Our Storms <clears throat> Teach Us. And while you're going there, I just want to let you know that next Sunday, I have declared that next Sunday is going to be Revival Sunday for us. Uh, we don't typically do revivals in the summertime, but next Sunday is going to be Revival Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, 1045 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. Tim Knuckles is going to be with us preaching both of those services. For the Knuckles was a youth pastor here eons ago, I believe. And uh, he's going to be with us next Sunday morning, next Sunday night. You don't want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be a great day. It's okay. We just declare it Revival Sunday next Sunday. We're going to have church Sunday morning and then be back again Sunday night. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. Mark chapter 4, if you found it, say amen. Now I'm going to invite you to stand with me. I know I'll let you sit down, but I want you to stand back up this morning. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 this morning. And in your Bibles or on your electronic device or on the PowerPoint, <clears throat> let me read this story to you, very familiar story. On the same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him, took Jesus along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37, And a great wind storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? We're about to die, they said. Verse 39, Then he arose. He stood up. Aren't you glad that in the midst of the storm, Jesus will still stand up. And he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, verse 40. But he said to them, to the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And I'll conclude with verse 41. And they feared exceedingly said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? One of the great storm stories in all of the Bible. And I want to tie up this little series I started last week, What Our Storms Teach Us. And I want to preach for just a few moments this morning on this thought. God in our storms. God in our storms. Father, bless the reading of the word today. Bless the preaching of the Word today. God, help me today to articulate and to preach truth today. And God, help these people that you've honored me and blessed me to pastor. Help them have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive. And God, when we gather in these altars in a few moments, let us leave changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Pastor Tony, thank you. One of the great struggles of the human soul is the desire to know that God is present in times of difficulty or storms. We were made for connection with the divine. And our soul yearns to know that God is present in times of crisis. 
If you live any length of time, you're going to find out, and you're going to find out very quickly that life can be very stormy at times. Much like Mother Nature unleashes her fury upon the earth, life can feel much the same way. An unexpected sickness, and you find yourself in a storm. A layoff at work, and you find yourself in a storm. An ongoing marital conflict, and you find yourself in a storm. The death of a child, and you find yourself in a storm. And so many times when we are in those places and the storms of life can feel so overwhelming at times, that we find ourselves with uh, these deeper questions of, of, of God and about God and His presence in moments like this. You wonder, where is God in all of this? Does God really care what I'm going through and if he does, is there something that he can do to stop this storm that I find myself in? And so often we have more questions than we do answers. And we don't have enough solid answers that give us any kind of comfort level for all of the inquisitions that we, that we have about God. But here's what I know about God. God is good, and God is fair. I'm going to say that again. I felt that. God is good. Remember that little prayer we used to pray, a little grace we used to pray when we were children? I didn't realize it at the time, but now as I'm older, I look back. That's a powerful little prayer. God is good, and God is great. And God is fair. And when he chooses to intervene, he does. And when he chooses not to, he doesn't. And lately I have been on this quest or this search to discover what, if anything, do our storms teach us? I believe that there are lessons that can be learned in every storm that we go through. I told you last Sunday I had spent several days with my folks at the beach and from, from June until September, that's called hurricane season. And at any moment, any point in that window, that, that time frame, a hurricane could blow in to that area and wreak havoc. I talked the other week about Hurricane Katrina and the devastation that it, that it left in its wake. And, and sometimes we can find ourselves in this life in the midst of a storm. And storms, I believe, if we're not careful, can be a waste if we don't learn what it is that God wants to teach us in those stormy times, in those moments of pressure and those moments of stress and discouragement and difficulty there's something God wants us to learn brother Turpin and I believe there are teaching points that can be lifted from every storm let me take you into Mark 4 for just a few moments and this is one of the great storm stories in all of the Bible I don't have time to go back and tell you everything that Jesus was involved in in Mark 4 but just to, to make a long story short, he's been teaching, he's been preaching, he's been unpacking truth. I mean, he's talked about everything that you can think of as it relates to the kingdom and sowing the seed of the Word of God and receiving the Word of God. He, he has just been a, a, a master teacher articulating practical principles and, and making application on how to live everyday life. When he finishes teaching, he and the disciples get into a boat and he looks at them and he says these words, let us cross over to the other side. They get into that boat, they push off from the shore, the crowds have dispersed. And verse 35 gives us a picture of the severity 
of that storm. I'm sorry, verse 37. The Bible says that a, a great wind storm arose. Now, I've always preached this from the standpoint that there was thunder and lightning and rain, but the Bible doesn't say that. And I just burst some of your bubbles, and you thought it was a much better story than it is. But as I read that, it just says a great windstorm arose. You know, I told you last Sunday, a few years back, we had this phenomenon called a derecho that came through. It was just a windstorm. The Bible says nothing about rain, says nothing about thunder, nothing about light. Just a windstorm came through. And the wind was so fierce that the Bibles of the waves began to beat against the boat. As you continue reading, it, it's obvious that the waves were, were, were filling and falling into the boat. So the Bible says the boat was beginning to fill. Do you know what happens when a boat begins to fill up with water? It's going to sink. And at that moment, in the midst of that storm, the disciples freaked out and cried out in fear and said, Jesus, we're going to die. The storm is so bad. The boat is sinking. Save us. And at that moment, in that boat, on that sea or that lake called Galilee, there was a storm that the disciples found themselves in. And Galilee is a lake that is known for very sudden and violent storms. Some of the research and the study that I did, it said that, that you could be out on that sea, sky crystal clear, blue, sun shining, not a breath of wind anywhere. And in just a matter of moments, they say that, that a storm could blow into that area very violently, very suddenly. On one side of that, of that sea, of that lake, there were these mountain ranges on the east. And on the west side, there were these little hills that intersected. Uh, there were these hills on the west that, in, that had these gorges that, that intersected and they converged to the front of the lake. And it created this, this funnel like sensation so that when the winds would begin to blow off those mountain ranges, it would blow down into that funnel and it would cause that water just to just to begin to blow and to rise up into a boat they said that it's quite possible and, and, and historians and commentators tell us that when a storm like that would come come blowing into that area that the waters of that sea would literally quiver and quake and, and boil like a cauldron because of, the, because of the fierceness of the storm and the wind would come blowing off of those mountain ranges. And that's where the disciples find themselves in a storm. The disciples are in a storm and Jesus is in the back of a boat on a pillow. And he's asleep. He's sleeping. You know why? Because he was tired. He had preached and he had taught all day long. And I'm going to show you in just a moment in this story, you get a picture of the humanity of Christ sleeping, but in a moment of time you get a picture of the divinity of Christ who stands up and commands everything he created to be quiet and to lay down and to stop. Let me just give you some lessons from this storm. Number one, I'm going to move through them quickly. In every storm, there is a promise. Here's what Jesus said to them. Let us cross over to the other side. That speaks to me of the omniscience of God. He knew that they were going in to the storm. But he also knew that they were going to survive the storm by the verbiage he used, Pastor Jeremy, when he said, let us cross over to the other side. What he was saying was, we are going to make him to the other side. That doesn't mean there's not going to be some wind. That doesn't mean there's not going to be a storm. But what it does mean, boys, if you'll hang on and you'll batten down the hatches and you'll, and you'll be strong and you'll be faithful, we are going to survive the storm. And the promise of God that day was sure to those men. It's the same 
promise that we have today. When we find ourselves in the storms of life, I hear Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I hear the word of Isaiah 43 and 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I hear the words of the psalmist David in Psalm 23, 4, 5, and 6. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I hear the words of Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. Let me catch my breath and quote this to you. It's powerful. I will lift up mine eyes under the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I'm telling you, God is not sleeping in the midst of your storm. God is not slumbering in the midst of your storm. David said in verse 4, Behold, he who keepeth Israel. He shall neither slumber. He shall neither sleep. It is a promise from God. He is with you in the midst of the storm. And it may be rough right now, but there's a promise. You will make it over unto the other side. Come on if you're glad for the sure promise of God today. Number two, in every storm, there's perplexity. How can Jesus be sleeping at a time like this? How is Jesus at the back of the boat at a time when his disciples needed him the most? How is it that he's sleeping? My mind would like to imagine if he's asleep, he's on a pillow, he's probably snoring. The wind is blowing, and here's the master. He's asleep. Did he know they were going into that storm? Sure he knew. Did he know how bad the wind was going to get? Absolutely. Did he know the boat was going to begin to, to fill up with water? Sure he knew. And what was he doing? He's asleep. And sometimes it feels at, that mo at those moments when we need him more than any other time, it feels like he's a million miles away. And that's a natural feeling that we have to process through. I wonder if that's how Mary and Martha felt when Jesus delayed his coming. And they said to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But if you had come when you heard he was sick, we wouldn't be in this boat, so to speak. And he seems to be absent. But in the midst of the storm, when you feel perplexity, I want you to know today that Jesus is there. Watch where the Bible said that he was in the stern of the ship asleep. And if you study out 
that scripture and you look back at the boats that were made during that time, the stern of the ship was also the helm of the ship. It is the place where the helmsman sat. And the helmsman was the one who steered the ship. He steered the submarine. He steered the sailboat. So the fact that Jesus was at the back of the boat, the, the, the wheel, the, the, the way that they would direct and lead that boat during that time was from the back of the boat. Jesus was sleeping at the very place where the controls of the ship were. That lets me know that even though Jesus was sleeping, he still had everything under control. I want to tell somebody today, it may feel perplexing. It may look confusing. It may feel stressful. But Jesus is still the captain of your boat. Jesus is still at the helm of the ship. It may feel like he's sleeping. But I promise you today, he is leading you. He is guiding you. He is directing you. And I promise you today, the storm is not going to kill you. Number two, there's a promise in every storm. There's perplexity in every storm. Number three, there's panic in every storm. What did the disciples do? Watch. Master. That's a contradiction anyways. I'm going to show you that in just a second. Master. Don't you care? We're getting ready to die. How do you call him master in one breath, and in the next breath you say, we're going to die? Their mind didn't match their mouth. Their mouth said master. Their mind said doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. You can call him master all day long from your mouth. You can call him king of kings and lord of lords and master of the sea and peace speaker all day long. But if, 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 if your mind doesn't match your mouth, it doesn't matter what you say. We got to get the heart and we got to get the head lined up. So if you're going to call him master, you got to start living like he's master. Master, do you understand? We're in a storm. But master, I know you're in control of the storm. Master, do you know how bad my marriage is? But master, I know you can put all things back together again. Master, I'm in need. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills this month. But master, I know you'll supply every single need that I have according to your riches and glory. Master, do you see my family that's fragmented and broken and my children are lost? But master, your word says that I can have household salvation. If you're going to declare it, if you're going to confess it, then it's time we live it. It's time we walk it out. It's not based on a feeling, but it's based on the faith that we've got in our heart and we know that God is able today. Hallelujah. Oh, is this all right? Now watch. These men had sailed on this sea before. Pastor Poe, these were veterans of the sea. This is not the first time they'd been on this sea. This is not the first storm they'd had to ride out. This wasn't their first rodeo. They had been there. Master, don't you care we're going to die? And their panic, their panic caused them to do some things. First of all, their panic caused them to misplace their focus. When you get scared, you'll look at things through the eyes of, of, of natural instead of spiritual things. And they got their eyes on the storm instead of on the Savior. I know he was sleeping. He may have been sleeping in body, but I'm telling you, he was completely aware because he was human and divine all at the same time. Because didn't Psalm 121 say he will neither slumber nor sleep? Pastor, it says he was asleep. I know his physical body was asleep, but his spiritual man, the divinity of God was wide awake. He knew where they were. You care, we're perishing. They had been there. They understand, they understood storms. And I'm telling you, storms will cause us to have these very emotional responses. And they misplaced their focus. They misinterpreted the outcome. They automatically assume they're going to die. For the stout, just because there's a storm doesn't mean we're going to die. But those disciples who had lived with him for Three years, they had seen the miracles 
they misinterpreted the outcome. The outcome was not going to be death. But because they looked with their eyes and they operated by how they felt, panic set in. And finally, their mind didn't match their mouth. Master, don't you care that we're about to die? Nothing about that statement says that he's master, Gene Turpin. Nothing about that statement says that they believed he was in control. Double-mindedness. And how oftentimes, can I, let me preach for one second, I'll move on. How many times do we say one thing with our mouth and on the other side we say something that completely contradicts the faith we just spoke? I know God's going to take care of my need. And let somebody else walk up to you. I don't know how I'm going to make it. We're going to go bankrupt. Listen, either the word is true or it's not true. Either we believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. Either we believe everything about this book or we don't. You can't call him master out of one side of your mouth and then say, there's no way we're going to die. That is not faith. Panic set in. Every storm there's a promise. Every storm there's perplexity. Every storm, listen, it's natural to be panic stricken. It's natural to live with moments of fear in our lives. But we don't have to stay in the moment of fear, in the moment of panic. We've got to look with the eyes of the Spirit and see that even though it feels like Jesus is asleep, and even though it feels like He's not hearing or answering our prayer, He is still on board with us. Because sometimes we want God to deliver us out or from the storm. And God wants to deliver us through, through the storm. You can't learn anything if it gets you out of everything. That's tweetable. You can't learn anything if he always gets you out of everything. There's things that he wants to teach us in the midst of the storm. And he's trying to teach these disciples that every time you feel the wind or, or sense the wind or sense the storm, you can't panic and say, oh, we're all going to die, it's over. You can't, you've got to learn to trust me in the storm. Number four, in every storm, in every storm there, go to the next slide so I don't forget it. There's peace, thank you. Watch this. <clears throat> Jesus stands up. After the disciples wake him up, what a rude awakening that was. Master, we're going to die. Jesus doesn't, doesn't say anything to them at that moment. But he stands up and he says, Peace, be still. He didn't rebuke them. When he got up, he was going to rebuke him later. He spoke peace. One version says it like this. That Jesus said to the wind, pipe down. And he said to the sea, quiet, settle down. And the Bible said that he spoke peace. That word peace there means an involuntary stillness or an inability to speak. Involuntary. The wind didn't have a choice. The sea didn't have a choice. It, the sea didn't, the wind didn't voluntarily. They did not have a choice. You know why? Because the Creator spoke to the created. And when the Creator speaks to the thing that He created to begin with, it has no choice, but it has to pipe down. It has to lay down. It has to cease. When the all-powerful creator speaks. Pastor Tony, come, come help me play. Help me lay in this, please. I'm just letting him play so you'll think I'm quitting. And you'll, you'll relax a little bit. Watch. So he spoke peace. There's something about the voice of Jesus in the midst of the storm that brings peace. He spoke peace. 
Watch this. He, he sustained peace. The word of God will always sustain us in the storm. Hello, are you, are you in the building this morning? Just give me, give me five more minutes. If I go over, Lord, forgive me. The word of God will always sustain us in the storm. He spoke it and it sustained them. See, we don't have Jesus in the flesh, but we have him in the form of the word. And the word will sustain you in the storm if you speak the word. You can't speak the word if you don't get the word in you. And you can't speak the word based on everything I speak to you on Sundays. You got to get the word in you during the week. The word will work if you'll work it. And he sustained. The word that was spoken sustained them in the midst of the storm. And some of you, listen, you're trying to live in the storm based on how you feel and based on what everybody else is saying to you about the storm. you got to go right here and let the Word sustain you in the storm. The Bible said that when he got up and he spoke peace, one person said the wind ran out of breath and the sea became as smooth as glass. Why? Because the Word spoke the Word. I'm telling you, if you'll learn to speak the Word in the midst of the storm, it may not always bring it to an end, but it'll sustain you in the midst of it. Sometimes what happens to us is we let the sound of the storm. You can't see wind, can you? You can see the effects of the wind. But we let the sound of the storm cause us such fear. The disciples, listen, could not see the wind. They could see the effects of the wind because the water that was blowing up, but more than likely the sun was setting and night was falling, so their, their vision very possibly was skewed at that point. There's times you don't always see the storm around you, but you hear the sound of the storm. And the sound of the storm causes great fear. The sound of the storm, when the doctor says we found something abnormal on the test result, we need to do another test again, all of a sudden you hear the sound of the storm. You hear the sound of the storm when your teenager looks at you and says, I know you've raised me in church and you've, you've taken me to church and you've taught me all this stuff, but I'm not sure about your God anymore. You can hear the sound of the storm. You can hear the sound of the storm husband or wife may look at you and say I don't think I love you anymore and don't try to win me back it's the sound of the storm when the banker looks at you and says I don't know anything else to tell you you're going to have to file bankruptcy unless you come up with this amount of money it's the sound of the storm So, Pastor, what do we do? Do we ignore it? Do we ignore the, the reality of, of the storm? No, you don't ignore the reality. But something's got to be louder than the sound of the storm. Something has to drown out the sound of the storm. The Word, Aunt B. The Word has to drown out the storm. Because the just don't live by the sound of the storm. The just live by faith. And faith cometh by hearing. And hearing cometh by the word.
how do you get faith? You hear the word. Stop listening to the storm. Pastor, does that mean that we go, listen, faith is not blind to reality, but it is confident in God's ability. Faith is not blind to the reality. Faith is not blind to the reality of the test Faith is not blind to the reality of the strife and the marriage. Faith is not blind to the financial struggle. Faith is not blind to the trouble in the family. Here folks all the time say, well, I'm just going to act like it's not there. You can't do that. It's there. That's the concrete, tangible evidence of the storm. While faith is not blind to reality, it is more confident in the ability that God has and what the word of the Lord says. Faith comes by hearing. I just came by to build somebody's faith today. I know the wind is blowing. I know the storm is raging. I know it sounds bad. I know it looks bad. But I declare today that faith rise up in your soul and you declare that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. On your feet, please. I know it sounds bad right now, but there's a word for every sound that you're hearing. There's a promise for every problem. There's a scripture for every storm. I won't get to my last point, but in every storm, he's present. Every storm is present. disciples, Jesus was on board the boat and they were still afraid. How do you do that? When they knew he was there. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just knowing that somebody's there that helps you. He didn't help them. And Jesus was baffled. He said, why, why is it? How, how come you're so fearful? How is it you have no faith? And that's the rebuke right there. That's why he said, oh, you of little faith, what's wrong with you? He probably wanted to smack him and say, Stupid! I'm right here. Weren't you present with me when I opened blinded eyes? Why have you? Why don't you have any faith? There, you've seen the miracles. You've walked with me. You've been. What's wrong with you? Why don't you have faith? I want to ask us today. Why don't we have faith? We have seen God work over and over and over again. I've seen miracles in my own family. I have heard the doctor say of my 14-year-old as a little baby boy having seizures that it's not good. We need to run these tests. We were in Martinsville when that happened. I've been there taking him down to Wake Forest and running tests and then doping him up with medicine. He's so, I mean, out of his mind, he can't hardly ride back home. And me being afraid and going, my God, what are we going to do? But I've been there and I've heard the sound, but I've also heard the word. When I couldn't sleep that same night, I went into his crib and I looked. And I heard the Holy Ghost as clear as a bell saying, if you'll trust me, I'm going to heal him. I'm going to take care of it. if I woke my wife over and told her the next morning I said here's what the word of the Lord is to us if we'll trust God he's going to take care of it and as far as I'm concerned I said I heard the Lord say it's done and he's healed now this is what we did this is our family now we canceled the other doctor appointment that's how sure I was of the word of the Lord and the pediatrician called back and had the audacity to say to my wife well I disagree and it's going to be a sad day when you walk in and find him blue and dead in his crib. Well, I'd like to tell you that 14 years later, there he is. Never had another seizure. 
never had another episode. Why? Because even though I heard the sound of the storm, I heard the word of the Lord. I want somebody today, even though you hear the sound of the storm, I want you to hear the word of the Lord that the just shall live by faith. Oh, hallelujah. right now in this place if you don't mind. Now I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to hear the sound of faith today. God, I want to hear your word today. I want your promises to get deep down in my soul today. I hear the sound of the storm, but God, I want your word to drown out the sound of the storm. Tell you one more, then I'll close. We pastored a Rocky Mount Kelly Easter. It was Easter Saturday, right before Sunday. I forget the exact year, maybe 2007 or 8. Had this unexplained, unexpected pain hit her, and her stomach dropped her to her knees. She called me home from the office and said, I can't hardly get up. We did church that Sunday. God's grace was sufficient. Somehow she made it through. Sunday afternoon, we left. My house in Rocky Mountain drove to Lewis Gale in Salem to try to get some answers. They took her back, ran a bunch of tests, did everything they knew to do, said we can't find anything. We walked back out and got in the car. And I heard the voice, I don't, I'm not sure if it was the voice of the Holy Spirit or the voice of the storm. Said, oh, it's not over yet. It's not done yet. Now, I'm telling you, for the next six weeks, she lived with unbearable pain we ran every test they ran every scope we even had our family doctor use the dreaded C word cancer I remember going into the sanctuary in Rocky Mountain one day because I have a hard time canceling out the noise of the storm sometimes by the way just so you'll know because I'm human and I'm driving to take JC to preschool I'm driving, all of a sudden, I just have this horrible picture in my mind of my wife and standing at the cemetery. And I mean, it's the kids beside me. I mean, it's awful. That, listen, that was not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm in tears. I get back. I go in the sanctuary. I literally laid in the floor and rolled back and forth and said, God, you have got to do something, please. I cannot live like this. It's the sound of the storm. And it, it just kept on. We couldn't figure anything out. She lived with pain. It just back and forth. I mean, she laid in the bed. I mean, for days at a time. Like she could not function. And in the midst of that, I, we, we, I was just sitting there one night with her. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? I said, I believe this is spiritual. I believe it's a spiritual attack. You realize spiritual attacks can manifest themselves in physical ways, don't you? And there's not a devil behind every bush. And everything's not a demon or a devil. And sometimes that happens. So we had to change the way that we fought. I was about useless. I was so scared. So I just did the best thing I knew how to do. I would just pray and God, please help and try to put on a good front for the kids. I mean, I'm, we're, we're nervous. She's, you know, when she gets worried, it's bad if she gets worried. I mean, we did everything. Everybody prayed. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. We were in the service one night. You know, I didn't plan on saying this stuff. I believe you guys were there at that service. Your choir had come to sing. And we're in that service. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't anything. I mean, it wasn't any, I mean, it was just good church service. And Kelly was sitting there, and she was getting ready to leave and take J.C. home. J.C. had a little accident. Now, don't you tell I told that if you do all tonight. Ask God to forgive me. <laughs> J.C. was maybe three or four. I don't remember. 
Something told her, don't leave yet. She just stays there. And we had a prayer. And pastor called her up. I mean, just, I wasn't feeling anything. I mean, it wasn't one of them humdinger. I mean, just, it was a service. And a bunch of folks got around her, laid hands on her, and started praying for her. And I mean, in a matter of seconds, she said, it's gone. I took off. She said, it's gone. And when I got home that night, listen, even though the storm had stopped, I still heard the husky voice of the devil say, oh, it's going to be back. It'll be back. I'm happy to tell you that today, seven or eight years later, she's never had another problem. But I'm not happy to tell you that during that time, my faith was weak, and I struggled, and I was afraid, and I was panicked, and I was perplexed, and I did my best to hang on to the promise of God. And sometimes, listen, listen, this is the last thing I'm going to say. The Holy Ghost told me this today. I'm in my basement praying. Sometimes you just have to show up. That's all you can do. Pastor, sometimes you don't have a rhema word. You got to show up. Sherry, sometimes you just got to show up and sit on the front row and smile. Sometimes you got to show up, Pastor Jeremy. Sometimes you got to walk into work. You just got to show up. We don't have anything else to do. If you can just worship one more time, just show up. If you can just honor one more prayer, just show up. If you can just give one more dollar, sometimes you just got to show up and do what you know to do. done. Raise up your hands. I've gone way too long. Raise up your hands. The Holy Ghost is just telling somebody to show up. When prayer is pitiful and worship is weak and nights seem long and dark, just show up and offer whatever you can offer. I'm telling you, but if you'll, uh, if you'll be present, God is always present. If you will just be there, God said to tell somebody today, I will always be be there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you'll be there, if you'll be present, he said, my presence will be there. God is my refuge. I'm talking to somebody. God is your refuge today. He is your strength. He is a present help in time of trouble. He's there in the storm. If the Lord's touching your heart, listen, this is all the altar call I'm going to make. If the Lord's touching your heart and speaking to you right now, and you need to hear the sound of God's word, you need, the, you need the promise of God to become bigger than the problem you find yourself in right now, and you just want some of your church family just to link up with you and help you pray. I'm not begging. I'm not pleading. I'm not going to grovel. I'm just saying that the Holy Ghost is touching your heart, and this word is bearing witness. Get out of your pew and come stand here as fast as you can. Hurry. Hurry. Just come stand.
darkness fills the night, you cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? Who crushed the enemy underneath my feet? You are my sword and shield, but troubling our steel. Whom shall I Fear. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. strength is in your name, for you alone can save. You will deliver me, yours is a victory. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes is always 